Audi. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of The Big Travel Podcast, exploring life stories through travel. I'm Lisa Francesca Nand. We've hit downloads in 70 different countries across the globe. Hurrah, thank you so much for the podcast, love. As we have our first American guest today, I thought I'd give a big shout out to all our listeners in the US, where we now have been downloaded in 34 states. There's thousands of you. I'm a huge fan of America and I'm so chuffed, as we would say in the UK, that you're on board. Please send me an email, wave hello. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and thebigtravelpodcast.com. Now, do you fancy getting paid to travel the globe? This is the dream for a lot of people and it's exactly what our guest today does. Let's cue the music. Having quit his job eight years ago to travel full time, Adam, through his blog and website, Travels of Adam, is living this dream. On this episode, Adam talks about the 50 or more countries he's visited, from camping with Bedouins in the desert in Jordan to finding the hippest hangouts in every European city and his plans to base himself back in his beloved America. We talk about holidays, Trump, gay rights, festivals and also find out more about how you too can make your living out of travel. Please give a big hand to the lovely Adam Brothman. Travels of Adam is my blog. I've had it since 2009. I started it when I was in living in Boston. I was a graphic designer and I was planning to quit my job and travel around the world. So I started a blog because I felt guilty because it was the middle of the U.S. recession and I wanted to get back into writing and journalism. When you say back into writing and journalism, were you doing that before? I had started in university studying journalism and then I moved into media communications and then I ended up working as a designer. So I kind of used all three skill sets and combined them to create the blog. Did you just have a eureka moment and just quit your job? How did it happen? After I graduated university, I I just never left the United States. I was stuck in a job. I liked my job. I loved my job. I was doing what my dream job was at that point. And I realized after three years, I hadn't left the United States. So kind of on a spur of the moment, I booked a, a long weekend trip to the closest place I could find from the U.S. that wasn't Canada or Mexico. And I ended up in Reykjavik, Iceland for a weekend. Literally left work on Friday, uh, went straight to the airport, flew to Iceland, and then Monday flew back to America and went to work. And that kind of really spurred me into wanting to travel more and see more and do more. So from that moment, I started saving my money and planning to to get abroad. We're a bit rude about Americans and travel, and I think unjustly so, because... America, North America is so vast. 
you can travel for weeks and weeks without actually having to leave the country. So the rest of the world, when people say, quote, quote figures such as, oh, 40% of Americans, only 40% of Americans have a passport. Well, that's actually quite understandable because it is very vast and also very varied, you know, from the East Coast to the West and everything in between. So I think you get a bad press when it comes to having not left America because there is so much to do and so much wonderful things in America. Yeah, it's true. And I think there's also the problem with the vacation time. Americans just don't have as much time and it's farther to get abroad. That's something I find <coughs> shocking about America. You're meant to be the land of the free and the mm. American dream. And then you get a week's holiday. It's just, yeah. it's barbaric. How do people live with a week's holiday? It's, <laughs> it's bad enough in the UK where people get 28 days on average, I think. But a week is, is dreadful. How do you live with that? Yeah, that's why I, um, I quit my job and uh, traveled around the world. And that's 2010. And I haven't lived in America in eight years. How has your life been <clears throat> since then? What have you been doing? Yeah, so I traveled around the world for a year and a half. And then eventually I made my way to Berlin, Germany. And I just fell in love with the, the atmosphere in the city, the, the creative vibe, the startup culture, the... There was just so many, so much opportunity there, especially as an American coming from that background. I realized, you know, Europe had something different, and it was the opportunity to explore more of this culture in this world. I was living in Berlin for the last six years. I love Berlin. It's just so <clears throat> full of culture and music and history and gorgeous little tiny streets. The Mitter area, is it Mitter? Mitter. Mitter, yeah. Mitter, yeah, my German's not brilliant. <laughs> I just think it's the most vibrant and, and wonderful place. There's this cool vibe and energy there, and there's so many people from around the world. It's becoming so much in it so much more international than it once was. So, How have you made your living out of travel? This is something Instagram and Twitter, for work at least, are quite new to some of us. I've been working in conventional media for many years and quietly I've realised that people have been building these huge sort of social media empires and you often see people saying click on this link or follow me and I will tell you how to make your living from travel. Now I don't know whether they're scams or not, I know you are genuinely making your livings mm -hmm. from travel. I'd like to ask you A, how are you doing that and B, what do you think about those people that say follow me and I tell you? What's their game? Is it a scam? Mm, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to say about that. Basically the way I did it, I started a Twitter account back in 2009. I was using Twitter all the time. I was really into music and I was using it to engage in, and meet strangers from the internet. Um, this was like the beginning of this, this like social period, I guess. And from that, when I started getting into travel and I started my travel blog and I started traveling, I realized there were lots of ways to meet and engage with other travelers and to share my own insight and tips and things I learned because I was spending all this time researching how to find you know, the, the best beaches in Goa and I wanted to share this information. My travel, Travels of Adam brand really grew out of this love of connecting with other travelers because I'd always use social media to meet people. I'm working as a freelance travel writer as well my blog, Travels of Adam, is, is very popular. Uh, I've won a few travel journalism awards in the US, and I'm recognized a lot for my, my work in LGBT tourism. Um, so the website gets a lot of traffic, I get a lot of followers organically because I started writing about LGBT travel and I have this series of guides, these hipster city guides, and I'm trying to, trying to create original and useful content for other travelers. So I think my brand really spoke to to a certain type of traveler who didn't have this information maybe as readily available in the past. 
So that's how I kind of attracted in an audience. And through my website, I make money with advertising and sponsorships, partnerships with brands, and also affiliate sales with people booking hotels that I've, I've recommended or tours and activities. So it's fair to call you a digital nomad. This, these new breed of travelers and people making their living, working from your laptop in coffee shops, is that you? I, I am working from my laptop in coffee shops, usually the coolest, hip, hippest coffee shop I can find. But I wouldn't call myself a digital nomad. I like having a home. I, I've, I was living in Berlin up until a few months ago. I'm in the process of relocating to New York City. I, I like having a home base. I don't I don't see myself as totally nomadic. I love traveling, but I also like coming home and cooking dinner and having a dinner party. You've won awards for gay travel. What was the award that you... So uh, this past year, I won the Society of American Travel Writers Foundation. Um, I won a Silver Prize for, for Best Travel Blog. And another association in the US, the North American Travel Journalists Association, um, recognized my series of hipster city guides. And in, in that award, they specifically called out my, my commitment to showcasing LGBT and queer travel tips, um, which I think a lot of mainstream travel brands, they kind of sideline this stuff. They might include one or two things, but as the world is becoming more and more open and friendly, there's more and more queer places and spaces for, for queer travelers. So yeah, I, I really try to focus on these kinds of places and destinations. I mean, there are countries around the world where it is illegal to be a gay man. Has there been any negative aspects? I mean, what is it like traveling as a gay man? I've done a lot of traveling and I've been in uh, some places where where it is punishable by, by maybe death or uh, imprisonment. Generally, the way I see it is as a traveler, you generally have a lot more leeway than uh, locals. So oftentimes as a traveler, you're, you're in a safer place. I, I learned that actually years ago when I was in Israel and Palestine. I lived there for five months actually, and I was volunteering at an NGO, and I realized with my American passport, I had more rights than anyone who was an Israeli citizen or a Palestinian citizen. And with my American passport, I could, I could do and go anywhere. Yeah, so as a traveler, you generally have more rights. And as, a, as a, a gay traveler, oftentimes if you can be careful and sensible and aware of the surroundings, you're not going to encounter as many problems as you might think you might encounter from reading a lot of scary news stories. Have there been any times, not just as a gay man, but any times on your travels that you've felt threatened or anything negative happened? I mean, I fall into plenty of like travel scams. You know, your taxi or rickshaw driver rips you off and takes you to the wrong place or you get lost on the way. Nothing that was ever like so scary or threatening that it turned me off from a place or uh, the idea of traveling. It's kind of almost when you look back. I mean, I, I've been in some terribly threatening and stupid situations, <laughs> but only when I look back and I think, that was really stupid. I, I could have been in danger there. But luckily, you know, as you said, people are, seem to be generally nice the world over. And if you, you're putting out that positive vibe, you, you normally meet those positive people. Yeah, and it's, it's also all about using kind of a common sense and being aware of your surroundings. And for LGBT travel in particular, knowing the, the actual laws and, and what the situation on the ground is. And you can learn a lot of that by research online, connecting with locals. Yeah, that's how you get a sense of what a place is, is maybe, how safe it is. People do take risks when they're abroad. I'm thinking particularly mm -hmm. about places like Dubai, when the, the rules are strict, no matter who you are, what sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. And you hear about people getting arrested for kissing someone that's not their husband or wife or holding hands. And 
you just think you really should have done your research. People go yeah. very casually to countries, Dubai very much so. They think it's a great holiday destination, but actually, you know, there are rules and regulations in these places that you really need to stick to if you don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, exactly. I once boarded a, a plane to Argentina and it was summer here and winter in Argentina. And there was a guy on the plane in, in shorts and a t-shirt because I don't think he knew the weather. And you just have to, you have to do a tiny bit of research. Like I'm all for travel like uh, on the whim and like have some like random adventures, but you need to know something. The only place I've felt, one place I've felt really threatened just one time is I was followed in Argentina in Buenos Aires mm. down the back streets by a couple of dodgy looking men and actually nothing happened. I sort of ducked into a restaurant or something, mm. but that's, it's a beautiful place and not yeah. very threatening. Yeah. But it's funny you should mention the weather because one of my top travel tips that I put out on the big travel podcast Twitter feed the other day was check the weather before you go and my friend laughed at me it's like that's ridiculous but you're right and people don't and for example Malaysia I've been to it's the east coast of Malaysia at one time of year is the rainy one or the west coast of Malaysia <laughs> is the rainy one at the other time of year so if you go to you can't just go to Malaysia it might be monsoon season on one side and and not on the other and you do have to it's just simple little bits of research <laughs> yeah. like that so what inspires you about travel well for me I love people this it's why uh, my whole travels about on my Twitter account is very social. I'm constantly trying to meet other people. I, I had a conversation about this with my brother-in-law last week because he also travels a lot and he was talking about how he always prefers to meet locals and not other travelers. I want to meet everyone. I think travelers also have, even in a foreign place, you have a different experience and you have a, you come from a different place. So everyone is kind of worth uh, getting to know and hear like how they're experiencing tourism. So I, for me, travel is all about the people. Tell me about some of the destinations you've been to. Where have been your favorite destinations? Where, have you, where would you recommend? I've always loved big cities. Um, that's why we're here in London right now. I'm just here for a few days. Berlin, Madrid, Barcelona. But recently, I have, I've also uh, really fallen for sort of nature. <laughs> um, maybe I'm getting older and I like the peace and quiet. But I, I'm, I'm a big fan of deserts. And I've been to a, quite a few deserts. I went to one in northern Argentina. I've been to Wadi Rum in Jordan a few times, in Egypt. Uh, Israel and Palestine have some deserts. And like, yeah, I like this, this warm weather climate, this, uh, these kind of serene, uh, like simple, uh, you, there's not a lot to do. There's just this this uh, feeling that you're in a place. Describe your desert experience. What are you staying <clears> in? How do you get there? What vehicle? Are you Usually in? a car. Sometimes a bus if you're lucky, and it's cheap. Yeah, and you, you maybe you do like in in Jordan. I you know camped with Bedouins. You end up staying up all night because the, the desert at night is just so magical. It's so still. You have this perfect uh, dark sky and you see the stars and the ground is still and soft. And I, I, I just love this, this strange feeling of stillness, especially in like a world today where like I'm constantly pressured on social media to be posting content and sharing this and click that. Um, and that, that drives me crazy. I, I, I love the experience of traveling. And yeah, you, when, you, when you remove yourself from maybe the digital world a little bit, you can really uh, embrace it. We're not on our own these days. We're never on our own, even when you are on your own, because you've got your, all your, the people you ever met at the click of the button yep. and, and hundreds of thousands of people you never met too. Yeah. So that has added to travels in a way, particularly as a solo traveler, but it takes something away too, doesn't it? Yeah, just two months ago, I went to India because I wanted to go to these beaches that I'd been to many years before. 
um, where there were maybe like 15 people sleeping on this beach and I had a beach hut, no running water, no electricity. There was a guy who brought a, a big oil barrel of water in to the beach area once a day and that was our water for the day. And I did nothing but read books and carve a, a bowl out of a coconut <laughs> for, for three weeks. That, that was years ago and I went back to this beach recently to try and have that kind of escape from from the world. And did it work? I was, gonna, I was expecting <laughs> it, you to say it completely changed. There were 100,000 people on the beach and everyone's on their phones. It, it was different, but it wasn't completely different. It was still quite secluded, but uh, definitely more developed. And there was electricity. <laughs> people get annoyed about places developing. I spend a lot of time on the Costa mm -hmm. del Sol in, in Spain and people will say, oh, it's so built up, it's so developed. Well, Actually, that's progress for the people who live there who don't want to necessarily be washing out of a bucket right. every day. 100%. And I think, I don't know if you've traveled to India, but I find this country so fascinating. And it, it can be really challenging and difficult as a, as a solo traveler, or as any traveler, really. I was there eight years ago and I was there a month ago. And just to see the changes in that, like the country is has changed so much and I, it's, it's an amazing thing because it, it needed, there needed to be changes and there needed to be development. And there's still a lot more that they need to do, especially with like LGBT rights. But, the, but it is uh, having positive effects. And so I'm all for changing. I also love revisiting places for that reason because you, you see the changes in a, in a specific city or country. That's just as fascinating as seeing it for the first time, I think. I feel like I need a holiday when I come back from India. It's, yeah. uh, it's exhausting. It's yeah. wonderful and vibrant and so colourful and the food, you'll get sick, you're yep. guaranteed to get sick. It's incredible, but wow. You know, I'm, also, I'm very pleased to come home and have my washing machine. And yes. I'm not a homebody at all, but to just have those home comforts. Yep, that's really exactly. Nice so where else have been your favourite destinations? <clears throat> have you spent any time in Southeast Asia? Yeah, I, I uh, backpacked Southeast Asia for a while. I spent a month in Vietnam. I have some family in Vietnam, so I stayed with them, actually. American yeah. family in Vietnam. Yeah. That's interesting. How did they end up? Was, uh, my, my aunt is Vietnamese, so I stayed with our extended family and had a, a nice, totally uh, unusual like experience than normal backpackers in Vietnam. You know, we had a, a car and would drive to, to places that were harder to get to, which was amazing. And I got to try a million different foods, all home cooked, that I, I would never be able to know what they were. And I just ate everything and enjoyed it all. <laughs> what I love about Vietnam and Cambodia is that they, they will eat anything, won't they? Mm -hmm. One of the specialities that, I mean, I don't eat meat, so there are a lot of things that I wouldn't touch, <laughs> but they will literally eat a lizard if it's crawling in front of you, <laughs> Cambodia particularly. But did you ever try those eggs, those half-formed yeah. eggs? Did you try them? Balut. Yeah. Actually, I really loved them. And I, there's a video of me eating one somewhere. It's a, it's a half-formed... Just describe it's, to me what it was. I saw them in the market. I've seen them in the marketplace many times. I'm never going to eat one. It's so a fertilized duck embryo. I think it's duck, usually. So you, you've got the little, the little embryo in there, and you can, it physically looks like a baby, baby duck. Is it crunchy or...? There was a bit of crunch, like, because there's the beginning of bones, but it's not, it's, it's really dramatic. And I, the first time I had it, it was a, a little nerve, nerve wracking, but it was delicious, actually. And I don't know, the experience of eating it as well was quite fun. It's great when you travel to be game for eating the local delicacies, even if you don't really have a clue what they are and they are a half fertilized embryo. Yeah, I, um, I was actually vegetarian for a little while in America. Uh, before I left on my big trip, I was kind of vegetarian for the purpose of 
uh, not having such a big impact on the environment. Because I knew I'd, I wanted to travel more, so I was trying to soften that impact. But then I flew to Spain, and I just couldn't be vegetarian in Spain. <laughs> There's too much good jamón ibérico. <laughs> Argentina as well, it's quite difficult yeah. to be vegetarian. It's all about the meat. Yeah. But again, what I love about Argentina is that they will eat everything. They mm -hmm. will eat everything. They're not over here in the UK, and probably in the States as well, we're quite precious about you know, having meat, it doesn't look like the animal, it's wrapped well, it's all quite sanitised and you don't sort of relate to the animal when you're eating it. But over there, they'll eat, you know, a snout or a yeah. trotter or yeah. a beer. It's true. I was just in Japan and I would go to a restaurant and it was like, it was a crab restaurant. But every single dish had some type of crab and it was all presented in totally different ways and different levels of cooking. I had raw crab, never had that in my life. Uh, so it was quite cool to go to something like that. And then the next day I went to a chicken restaurant and every little tiny dish, because there's lots of little things, all in the shape of chickens or made out of chicken or various pieces of chicken. It was quite funny. What were you doing in Japan? That was a work trip to write about the central region of Japan and visiting during the autumn where you have all the beautiful uh, leaves. Wonderfully, we've got a lot of listeners in America in 32 states I've counted at the moment because cool. you get, with podcasts, you get a little map of where people are listening in the world and 52 countries around the world people are listening in, which is wonderful. But America, I'm a huge fan of America and like I said, we've got listeners in 32 states at the moment. The big mm -hmm. hitters are California and New York, but really all over the place. Cool. Uh, Utah, Maryland, New Orleans, hello mm -hmm. to everyone from there. <laughs> Have you uh, travelled quite extensively in your home country? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in Texas and my parents are from New England and New York. We have um, loads of listeners in Texas, but I, don't, I Texas? have no idea why. It's a big Hi state. Hi to everyone in Texas. <laughs> yeah, howdy. Howdy, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Texas is a big state. Um, there's, it's quite cool. Uh, it can be. <laughs> yeah, so I grew up in Texas, and my dad actually works for an airline. So we had, growing up, we had the, the advantage to take lots of little trips around the U.S. So I did get to travel a lot. And then I, I, I lived in Boston for a while. I had friends and family all over the world, California, Florida, Chicago. And this is actually why I just relocated to New York, is because I've lived eight years here in Europe, basically. And I, there's, there's so many places in the U.S. that I really love and enjoy that I, I just don't get to see as often anymore. And I think there's a lot... A lot to be said about exploring uh, your home country and it's kind of a, a weird time to move to the United States the political situation and I have lots of friends in the US who are who are planning and talking about moving to Europe and I'm doing the reverse there's been something called a Trump slump whereby the visitor numbers to America have plunged not dramatically but they have gone down noticeably gone down since Trump has been in power does it bother you going going home to Trump? I mean, how do you feel about that? It probably doesn't really make much of a difference on the street into your day-to-day -day life, I'm guessing. That, that's what I, I'm hoping. But yeah, the Trump slump, I've read a lot about it. I read an article in the Boston Globe about it. And I think it's true. And like, I have friends in Germany and other European friends who say they won't visit the US right now. And I can understand that because I understand travel boycotts. I, I, I see where people are coming from, but I don't necessarily believe that's always the best thing to do. And I think America is still an incredible place and there's incredible people there. And I, I really want to be able to, to prove that they're still good. <laughs> and I, I think travel and tourism is, is so important for this exact purpose because you meet people on, on the local level and you get to uh, 
yeah, kind of really get a, a better sense of what the country is like when you're mm -hmm. when you're physically on the ground and meeting people and talking to people. And there's good and bad, but uh, at least you're gaining that insight. So in New York, what do you plan on doing? Getting <coughs> a nice little, where, where are you going to live? I love New York. Of course, I'm going to live in Brooklyn. Got to be the, the hippest, uh, most hipster place. That's, that's what I'm after. Yeah, I've never lived in New York. New York was always this like dream. And yeah, it's, it's going to be a learning curve. I think there's going to be some culture shock as well. Already, like there's, there's certain things I've picked up that are maybe more European and I, like I even I understand I, I also as a global world traveler things in America are just done differently yeah so I'm excited to kind of get back into it and see see what America is really like again today I think we, here in the UK we have this vision of America we love America and we, we always have done and you know we have this so-called special relationship and certainly mm -hmm. when I was growing up in the 80s we all wanted to be American. America, America was just the coolest place mm -hmm. on the planet. And that was our dream, you know. But it's, we're probably lulled into a false sense of security because we speak the same language. Yeah. But there are many, many cultural differences. And I think it's only when you travel around that you actually see that. And that's it. that is the beauty about travel. Yeah, and I mean, in America, it's like you mentioned earlier, it's so big and so diverse with the different climates and regions and uh, yeah, it's people. California is so different than New York, and I love both for totally different reasons. So yeah, there's there's a lot to see. So where have you not been? Where would you like to go, or what experience would you like to have that you haven't had? I really love festivals and music and things like this. So there's a lot of festivals I'd love to travel and see around the world. Here in the UK, I've I've always dreamed of going to Glastonbury, and maybe I'm a little too old for it now. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Glastonbury is all ages. That's you kind see, of what I'm hoping. You see pensioners there. You see people with young kids there. You see 18-year-olds there, kids that are wandering around on their own. It's just it's yeah. wonderful. I mean, not yeah. everyone is a fan, but I'm a huge fan. Yeah, no, I, I love stuff like this. I've been to festivals like it, but I've never managed to get tickets. <laughs> so hard. It's yeah. Hard. So there's stuff like that that I still want to see and do. And also part, partly why I'm relocating to New York City is I want to travel more in Central and South America. And it's, it's a little harder to do that from Europe. And then hopefully it'll be easier and more manageable and more affordable from North America. Have you got any pl trips planned in that direction? <clears throat> I'm working on a trip. I haven't picked where yet, but I'm, I'm planning to go for a week somewhere in South America soon. So how does it work when you say you haven't, you haven't formulated a plan? How does it work? Do you approach <clears throat> a, a tourism agency or a hotel? Yeah, so in the past I've worked a lot with uh, destination offices and tourism brands, airlines or hotels as well. But recently, uh, like this trip I just took to India where I kind of wanted to escape and relax. I've really found that I, I enjoyed traveling by myself and just getting off the grid and not worrying about posting on social media or using hashtags or re even required to write something. I'm using social media how and when I want to. So recently I've really taken a step back from doing press trips, I guess, because I just enjoy traveling. But of course there's, there's benefits to still do those and I'm still approaching destinations and brands when I'm, I'm planning to do a bigger trip or campaign. I'm always looking for cheap flights um, or trying to use my miles. So it's really, I'll go anywhere and I'll go places multiple times. I don't mind as long as I can get there cheaply. Like, hey, I, I'll find my way from there. You're here in London doing a 
campaign for Visit Britain. Tell me about that. Yeah, so Visit Britain is promoting uh, a lot of their LGBT travel. So there's a there's an amazing... Uh, I love the UK. I actually studied in London in 2006, briefly. And I just love the country. And there's so many great cities that are just fantastic for LGBT travelers. So Visit Britain is really trying to promote a lot of these destinations and cities. And I'm here to, to kind of discover some myself. So I've, I've been to Manchester so many times. I have so many friends there. It's such a cool, hip city. Um, but this year I'm going to Brighton. You're going to love it. Yeah. It's and amazing. I'm, I'm really excited to see more of it. I've been like on a short weekend trip in the past, but I've never really gotten to explore it. And I, for sure, like the... The LGBT nightlife in Brighton's got to be. It's out, pretty out good. Of this it's world. pretty good. I used to go to all the gay bars there many years ago when I was working in the clubs in Brighton, and everyone mixes. And it's lovely because you walk down the seafront and you'll see men holding hands and women holding hands, and everyone feels quite comfortable. And that's just the nicest thing. Yeah, that's my perception of the city as well. That it, it's just so open and so friendly, and it's got this um, gay history as well, um, being a hotspot for so long and such a big part of the LGBT community and the, the UK history. So I think, yeah, it should be a lot of fun, but maybe you need to give me some tips. <laughs> I think I'm out, I'm out of touch there now because I moved away five years ago and things change so, so quickly. Oh, yes. So you're not necessarily a digital nomad because you have a home wherever you are. You don't have a home at the moment, but you're right. looking for a home. If someone wants to do, you have the dream job for a lot of people, particularly young, free and single people that don't yet haven't yet settled down and had kids like me you're living the dream for mm -hmm. a lot of people how would you suggest do you have any recommendations or tips for people who want to emulate your lifestyle of travel and funding it and traveling the world yeah um it's a popular subject everyone uh, everyone sees everyone sees what you do and thinks oh you what's what's the phrase like grass is always greener but I, I realize I'm super lucky and super privileged with, with my work in travel. This was, my, when I started my blog, it was just a, a passion project born out of guilt from not working for a year. And it grew into, into my career, into this brand new career. So I, I get that it, it looks very appealing from the outside. And I understand I'm very lucky to be able to travel as much as I do. It is possible for other people to, to do this kind of work, but I really think it has to be born out of a passion. So if travel is your passion, there's so many opportunities in the travel industry. I, I think I read a report from like the EU Commission or something about how the tourism industry is one of the top three or four of the largest empl employment sectors. It's got to be massive. If travel is your passion, there's so many opportunities in the industry that you can work in a hotel and still get to travel because you'll get those, those benefits. The airlines offer all sorts of opportunities. Travel writing and travel journalism is just another part of that. So if, if tourism is your passion and writing is your passion or sharing or creating or photography, creating content, if you can combine those, then you can do something like uh, maybe what I've done or what you've even done. But then if you love hotels and you love travel, that's a totally different career. So you really have to build it out of what you enjoy because that's how you find success. Because otherwise, when you force it, it's not as authentic. I don't really like that word, but it's not as authentic. It's not genuine. So you get you maybe won't reach the full potential. It's really all about passion. I have one last question for you, and it often throws people because they have to have a little think about it. But mm. 
to me, music and travel go hand in hand because you get to listen to music on the road. You know, there's a lot of time and thinking space when you're not tweeting or <laughs> and that's on social media or your phone. Music is a big part of travel for a lot of people. So when you've been on your travels all over the world, in the US or wherever, mm -hmm. can you pinpoint a song that has created a special moment for you, whether you're on a beach <coughs> or in a beautiful city or having the most amazing time in a nightclub or just having a musical moment? And if so, what is that song? Ooh, there's a, there's a few because I like I really believe music and travel are so closely linked, and when I'm having travel experiences, I, I I'm listening to music. You hear sounds and you kind of capture those and remember those and those when you hear them again they they bring you back to that place. Um, so I I had studied abroad when I was in university in Australia. And it was during the 2006 Commonwealth Games as well. There was all this excitement in the country. And there was a song, a cover song by an Australian indie band called Youth Group. And they sang a song, Forever Young. I latched onto this and I was a young student. In my first, that was my first big trip that I was far away from, from the world I knew. Even though it was Australia, it was easy. But yeah, this song like really captured my my emotions of that time and every time I, I would hear that song uh, since then it brings me back. Yeah. That's lovely. One day we will be able to afford to play music on this podcast <laughs> and then I would lead into that song but no it's a great song great choice. Yeah. Adam thank you so much thank, thank you so you. much for coming on the Big Travel Podcast and good luck in New York City with thank your new you. adventure. Yeah thanks so much it was a pleasure being here. Well, thanks hugely, Adam, and to everyone listening and to everyone who's given us all those lovely reviews on iTunes as well. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button whilst you're there too. It's absolutely free. See you next Tuesday, as it were, for more travel stories and life stories from the Big Travel Podcast. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.